0: been talking about it for two or three weeks, Read It Yourself, is the title of this series because I want you to know it's not what I believe that matters, it's what the Bible says and you need to read it yourself. And this morning's message, If God Be For Us, Who Can Be Against Us, is the title of the message, but it comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. If we read it ourselves, Romans chapter 8, it starts with, there is no condemnation. Um, why? Because we share the righteousness of God. It's not that we're righteous, it's because we share the righteousness of God that was imputed toward us when we put our faith and trust in Christ. There is no obligation For us to abide by the law because the Holy Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh and to live um, a life of holiness. And so the the law does not hold reign over us. There is no uh, frustration. In life, and the answer why is because we share in the glory of God. If you read what Paul said, um, and today we read it for ourselves, we're going to in just a second. There is no separation from God once you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior, and why? Because we experience the love and grace of God and the emphasis. In these nine verses that in, in this chapter 8 that I'm getting ready to read with you is on the security of the believer. Paul presents five arguments in these nine verses that prove that there could be no separation between the believer, the follower, the person who has put their faith and trust in Christ because, why, we we, we don't, you know, it, 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 he gives it to us in plain English where we can read it for ourselves. And we do not need to fear our past. We do not need to fear the present, nor do we need to fear the future because we are secure in the love of Christ, according to Romans chapter 8. The first argument that Paul presents is God is for us. And I want to read verses uh, 31 and 32. And you can follow with us on the screen. It says, when the, What then shall we say to these things? That's where we was at two weeks ago. And where we had discussed, um, you know, and that's what he's leading to, up to here. If God be for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God the Father is for us according to these scriptures, and he has proved it by giving us his son. Now you think about that. In the person, in, in his sovereignty of power, in his providence of divine guidance for us, God is for us as, as his children. The believer needs to understand that all things, the, the basis for what he said, he, he, he starts with, what then shall we say? Why? Because all things are, he'll work it out together for our good and sometimes those things are just drawing us in a deeper relationship in a deeper understanding in a more perfect situation to trust and believe that God is for us who can be against us the if if you know you think about it all things wow that that covers all things, good, bad, ugly, sad. And he says here, so if in all things God is working it for our good, then who can be against us if God is for us? The conclusion being that God is for us. He is not against us to succeed and, and live a victorious life. And the believer needs to enter into that thinking every. New day, realizing that God is for you, He is not against you. I say it often, God's not mad at you, He just misses you. And, and so with that said, the loving Father desires only the best for you. Trials come, we all have them. Temptation comes because we still live in a sin-cursed world. We're, we're not immune from temptation and it will come. But no fear, God wants only the best for you and the Holy Spirit de- 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 is designed with, in mind for us to have strength and power during those times and comfort because of His blessing and the fact that He lives inside of you and is with you continually. He wants the best for you and God is for you. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. We have this image somewhere projected that this big mag God that's, that's mad at us and, and he's whipping us into shape. And the, the fact is that it says in God's word, The Lord has thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and of hope. Think about that. When you're going through whatever the crisis, when it, whatever it is that you're experiencing, and I could name them off, I don't need to cause you know what you experience. Nobody has to tell you what your troubles are, what you've went through in the last 3 weeks or the last 2 weeks in my case. Nobody has to tell you what what burden you're carrying, what loss, what runs through your mind that the enemy tries to suppress in your that God is against you. No, God is for you as a child of God. He is there and and there to comfort you. The second argument is Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, in Romans 5, 8, it says Christ died for us. And Paul was alluding to that when he said, who did not spare his own son. Not only did God send Christ here, but Christ died freely for us. And we have to never forget that Jesus even posted that same argument uh, and, 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 and to us. He said, if, if he cared for the birds... Now you think about that. And He cared for the sheep and the lilies of the field. He will care for you. God's for you. You have to get that in your mind. You know, God was dealing with, with His own, us, uh, and, and through our salvation on Calvary by grace. And grace that we receive what you know what is grace i use an acronym uh i guess it's an acronym i'm not the english teacher but grace god's remedy at christ's expense is that correct it's an acronym see i have learned something in 65 years so but grace is god's remedy for our for our sin and it was at Christ's expense and it's it's what we don't deserve you know we don't deserve grace but he gives it to us and mercy is we don't get what we do deserve we deserve hell because of our sin and the fact of the matter if God be for us who can be against us Because God is for us and Christ died for us according to these scriptures that we just read. The third argument is God has justified us. What's that mean? That's a big deal. Look at verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? We discussed two weeks ago who is is the elect of God? Those that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so if we are the elect of God and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it is God who justifies us. In verse 33, what's that mean? That means that because you put your faith and trust in Christ, he declared us righteous in Christ. We're not righteous. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. But God declared us righteous because of the fact that you put your faith in Christ and he was righteous. The sinless lamb of God, son of God, that died for our sins. And so God declared us righteous once we put our faith and trust in him because of Christ. Satan accuses us day and night. And has a lot to accuse me of. I, I don't know about you. But Satan accuses us day and night. And that's according to Revelations chapter 12 and verse 10. But we stand righteous if our faith and trust is in Christ because of Christ. If we are God's elect, God will certainly not accuse us since It is He who justifies us. Now think about that. For Him to ever accuse us again would mean His salvation is a failure. Let that soak a minute. It would also mean that the Bible is a lie. When God declares the believing sinner righteous, that declaration never changes. A God that that never changes. Our Christian experience changes from day to day. But justification never changes. We may accuse ourselves. Men may accuse us or judge us. God will never take us to court and accuse us again because we are justified. Jesus has already made the payment for our sins and we are secure in Him once you put your faith and trust in Him. So God is for us. Christ died for us. God has justified us. And Christ intercedes for us. Look at verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God now, who also makes intercession for us. Notice the little word also. Who also makes intercession for us. This is a dual intercession that keeps the believer secure in Christ. The Holy Spirit we read two weeks ago makes intercession for us. And now we read that Christ is making intercession for us. If and, and and the same Savior who died for you that you put your faith and trust in is now this morning, yesterday, tomorrow, making interceding prayers for you. You say, "I I I don't understand what you know what that what 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 that really means or the benefit." He gives you the grace that you need and the forgiveness that is ongoing for your sins and our sins does not separate us from the Father. You say, can you prove that? Sure. Jesus himself said, Satan desired to to Peter, Satan desired to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you. And fellowship, if you remember, was restored in Peter's life shortly thereafter. So our sin does not separate us from the Father because it is Christ's ministry of interceding for us that keeps us secure. And don't you ever believe the lies of the devil that, that about your eternal security? because of your sin. Here's your responsibility to repent, and repent is to change, to turn away from, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to give you strength during those times, and it is not a license to sin to say, well, I've got Jesus, I can do whatever I want to do. That's not the way this works. It works in the fact that, yes, you're going to sin. None of us are sinless. We live in a sin-cursed world. We have our old nature. However, the Holy Spirit of God has the power to help you to get victory through whatever it is if you will listen and obey. Our problem is when the roadblock's up and he's saying don't do that, it's like, "Nah, I got... We just go through a roadblock out where the bridge is. bridge is gone. We just drive right through it. Listening, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit's telling you, don't you do that, don't you do that, don't you do that, and you go right ahead and do it anyway. However, the next argument that comes is Christ loves us. In verses 31 through 34, Paul proved that God cannot and will not fail us because of what he has done. He's for us and what is transpiring. And in verses 35 through 39, he answers the question, if God will not fail us, then is it possible for us to fail him? Suppose some great trial or temptation comes and we fail him. What happens? Let's read it for ourselves beginning with thir- verse 35. And notice the wording throughout this passage, the who and the we. Because this is the Apostle Paul that is identifying because he's a Christian and it's we Christians that he's speaking to, about, including himself, and the who. Who, a person, he's saying someone, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Shall all these troubles that you have separate you? Shall distress? Because all your family's got COVID? Because you've had a hard episode? Shall distress? How about persecution? All those Christians in Afghanistan. Persecution. Or that Todd's talking about daily in in the Middle East that they're dealing with. Right now, our missionary in Italy. Or famine. I'm going to starve to death. Or nakedness. Whoa, I've done something wrong there. Whoa or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for slaughter. Yet in all these things, we, we are more than conquerors. How? Through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor the enemy, the devil, nor powers, nor things present, that pretty much includes everything, nor things to come, that does cover everything nor height, nor depth, highs or lows, or valleys or oceans, nor any other created thing, if that doesn't cover it all, I don't know what does, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is stating this to believers. We, we the followers, we that have put our faith and trust in Christ, we can... Ever uh, experience, can never experience separation uh, uh, from from the love of God. He, He deals with it plainly. Read it for yourself. He does not shield us, though, from difficulties, from trials. Why? Because they deepen our relationship. They grow us as Christians. He does not shield us from the difficulties of life. And, and why? Because we need them for spiritual growth. Paul is stating, followers, nothing, can ever, nothing you can ever experience can separate us from the love of God in those four verses. The ten things we just read could be a potential barrier, obviously. But Paul gives us the assurance that they will not cause you to lose your salvation or be separated from the love of God. Paul, with absolute assurance, says nothing can separate us. We teach. We, we even see it posted in football stadiums. You'll see it today if you watch the Browns play because there's always some guy got it. John three sixteen, big sign hanging in the back of the end zone. In many other passages, not just three, John three sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. If you put your faith and trust, believe in Him. 99 times in the book of John it's as simple as belief and trust and confessing with your mouth according to John, Paul in Romans. We should not perish but have what? Everlasting or eternal life. Then you must answer the question based on that verse and God cannot lie. How long is eternal? Forever. forever. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, my grandpa would say. It's forever. And here Paul has given us the answer that nothing shall separate us from the love of God but that is, <laughs> that is not what I was taught, preacher. Did you just read that for yourself? Did you? Did you said, but, but, but my granny or my... Did you read that for yourself when it was put on the screen? My Sunday school teacher... I I, I, I don't... but, But that just confuses everything I've ever been taught. Then you were taught wrong. God's Word, let it be true. I don't care what my Sunday school teacher taught me. I'm going to believe what God said. But Pops or Gramps taught me something. Let God be true. And every man a liar. We need not fear life as we know it now. And we do not need to fear the future, nor do we need to fear death. I can tell you, the guy said to himself, you shouldn't be here. That's about the second or third time I've had 90% blockage in my main LAD. And I looked at him and I said, I know it. He said, "You don't seem too upset." I said, "Yeah, I know. I got a God that's got taken care of me, even in my ignorance." I was going to wait till Tuesday. I didn't want to go in on Friday because I didn't want to spend Labor Day there on the first day of college football. I <laughs> thought i will just put this off. There won't be nobody there to take care of me. Anymore. Six nitros later, I was thinking different. <laughs> Time to get to the hospital. Don't fear death. I believe to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But that doesn't mean I want to go on this boatload. I don't want to get in a boat that you're the one going either on a plane with you. Things present, things to come because Christ gives us victory. This is not a promise with strings it doesn't have strings attached if you do this God will do that it, read that in there somewhere it's not there it is not in there read it for yourself and believe it and rejoice in it and if you had any sense we'd all be standing and saying whoopee Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. You say, but preacher, what if I turn away? Glad you asked that question because it's one that is talked about a lot in religious circles and in denominations. Read it for yourself, beginning with Acts chapter 19 and verse 10. It says. And this continued, he's talking about witnessing to the gospel of Christ. He said, and this continued for two years, so that all, underline that word, all, every jot and tittle in this Bible will stand. That means every dotting of the I and crossing of the T. So that word all is for a reason. It all who dwelt in Asia. Now you think about how big Asia is. All that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, both Jews and Greeks. So that included everybody. Man, what a witnessing campaign, huh? I just wish all in Chesapeake could hear the truth. Put them all in a a big amphitheater somewhere. Somebody get up and preach the gospel of Christ. Have a Billy Graham crusade. All heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. It didn't say everybody trusted. It said they all heard. They all heard. Now I want you to go and let's read Second Timothy, chapter one and verse fifteen. This you know, Paul speaking again. Luke would wrote it in Acts concerning the apostle Paul. He was. Following Paul around, he was his penmanship person. He says now in Second Timothy, Paul himself writing this: "You know that all there it is again a double L. All those in Asia have turned away from me." Hmm. Didn't say they. Turned away from Christ. He said they turned away from me. And you notice in the first passage he didn't say they would trusted Christ. He just said they all heard. All have turned away from me. Now one last passage and then I'll wrap this up and we'll close. In 1 John 2.29. Or 1 John, yeah, 2.29. I want you to listen to what John says. They went out from us. Why? But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. They were what then, preacher? They professed that they had trusted Christ and believed, but they did not possess Christ in their hearts.
1: I didn't write it!
0: God penned it through the power of the Holy Spirit. They were professors, but they... Did not pers- perf- they had professed they trust Christ, but they had never prof- possessed Christ in the first place. Why? It's exactly why Paul says in, in Corinthians 15 or 13 that you need to examine yourself and your salvation experience. Did you put your faith and trust in Christ? This is the only doctrine, eternal security of the believer and professing without possessing that does not contradict the total circumference of the scriptures, folks. Because everything else will it's a, it's a conflict. The doctrine of eternal security of the believer does not contradict anywhere else in the scripture. If you take into account of professing without possessing they turned away but they never did trusted Christ it's not saved lost saved lost saved lost they were never saved in the first place according to what that bible just read, that we just read said it's why paul states examine yourself we are you <laughs> what are you trusting for your salvation. In what have you put your faith in? Many people will say, well, I got baptized. You're lost and on your way to hell if that's what your faith is in, is water baptism. Because you'll go down a wet center, and, or down a dry center and come up a wet center. Only your faith in Jesus Christ on the cross is going to save you from your sin. Well, I joined a church when I was... I don't care if you join every church. You, You can be a member of this church and be lost as Hogan's goat. How lost is that? Pretty lost. It's not in church membership. It's not in baptism. It's not in taking communion. Examine yourself. It's not in, I love the preacher... I'm glad you do, but bless God, I'm not the one that has the power to save you, and I didn't die for you. And I'm going to die off someday. Maybe sooner than later. You say, well, but, 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 but I, 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 I I've got a I've got a I've got a great mentor and a great woman or a great man that's been my I don't care. If your faith is not in Jesus Christ and you do not believe in the salvation by the blood of the shed Lamb of God, then you're lost. You're professing something that you don't possess. And that's pretty simple. I believe in the Pope. Wrong person. I believe in the pastor. Wrong person. I'm attached to some religious denomination. Wrong thing. False doctrine. Christ and Christ alone. It's that simple. Well, that ain't what Oprah said. Oprah's wrong. Let God be true and every man a liar. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Nothing. No one. If God be for us, who can be against us? Read it for yourself. I didn't write it. Let's stand.